1: Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, we are not worthy to call ourselves your children, but you have forgiven us, you have redeemed us. And Lord, as we think about our standing in your kingdom, as we are citizens of heaven, give us wisdom in this area of media. As we look at information from science, from the Bible, from writers from the past, we just ask that you'd give us humility, that we might hear your voice. That a speaker's opinion or our own thoughts and preferences would all be set aside, that we might do your will and your will alone. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Welcome to 11th Hour Dispatch. This is Todd Gardner, executive producer for the show. If you've been a regular listener to our broadcast, and you already know that the host of these shows has been traveling all over the United States this winter speaking. I would ask that you continue to pray for Scott. Pray for his physical strength, for courage, and for health as he continues with his grueling schedule of sharing truth with people both face-to-face through his speaking engagements nationwide and maintaining his daily broadcasts. You've already heard Scott speak passionately about his Media on the Brain DVD series, educating people on how the entertainment industry, and even our excessive relationships with our cell phones, is reprogramming our brains in negative ways. Well, we're excited to bring you some excerpts from the Media on the Brain series in today's radio broadcast. And with that... We turn it over to Scott.
1: Welcome to the Media on the Brain Seminar. This is a six-part experience. We're going to be going on quite a journey together. We're going to cover basically everything that I could find any information on in this area of media. We're going to talk about TV and movies, Hollywood, video gaming, the advertising industry, spectator sports, uh, Facebook and texting. You've got your whole social networking world, multitasking, you name it, uh, the addictions that are really capturing Americans today in this area of media and entertainment. But before I go any further, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Scott Ritzema, and I'm a teacher. I've been a teacher for 10 years. I should start by saying, though, that I am just like everybody else when it comes to media. I've lived fully immersed in the entertainment culture of America. In fact, my grandfather, one of my grandfathers, was one of the early salesmen bringing Zenith televisions to America in the 1950s. So I guess it's in my blood, it's in my very DNA that I might be interested in this very topic of media. And growing up, me and my siblings, we sat in front of the television for hours and played Nintendo for hours on end. Going on into my teen years, I actually played in a punk rock band. I'll talk more about that later when we get to the music section of the the seminar. And in my college years, it was music, 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 downloading endless hours of music off Napster for free back in the heyday of that in the early 2000s. Well, in the 2000s, when I got married to my wife, for five, six, seven, eight years of our marriage... We did little else other than watch movies and go to various forms of entertainment of worldly things for our dates and for our fun together. So I've lived on both sides of this, but really I'm not an exception in that. That's the norm. To live in this immersed media culture is pretty much what everybody in America has done for many years. In fact, if you look at what the research has uncovered, I had a chance to talk to George Barna. He is the most prominent collector of data and research for the Christian church in America today. And he had this to say when I spoke with him about the subject of media. According to his surveys, media exposure has become America's most widespread and serious addiction. Now, that's a strong word for a fact-based, research-based person to use in talking about media. But I had a chance to interview George Barna, and here's what he had to say on the phone to me.
0: But I was intrigued by some of the numbers we have showing the amount of time that people devote to different forms of media. And I was wondering just how deeply held... Uh, Uh, a need this has become in most people's lives. So I got in touch with the American Psychiatric Association and talked with them about the notion of addiction and and how they define an addiction so that ultimately it can be measured. What we discovered is that there are six different criteria that the American Psychiatric Association identifies as being indicative of an addiction. If you have two or more of those in place, then you're said to have an addiction that item that you're measuring. And so I took those same criteria and went back and did a national survey among a random sample of the American population a couple of times, actually. And what we wanted to try to find out was that whether or not Americans are so, uh, so in love with media, so dependent upon media, that that is actually becoming addiction. And what we discovered is that a majority of Americans actually qualify for having an addiction to media use or media exposure. In fact, when we looked at other data about other addictions in our country, what we came to find is that addiction to media exposure is the most widespread addiction in American society today.
1: The majority of Americans actually have an addiction to these media. And this is why my wife and I started this ministry. We began Belt of Truth Ministries in 2012 on the heels of the Media on the Brain seminar being presented at the Michigan camp meeting. And we've said we need to devote our efforts to sharing information with as many people as possible so that we can make good decisions for ourselves. I would never want to stand up in front of an audience and say, this is what you need to do with your life. It's not my place, but it is my place to share information as a teacher. I teach young people and now I teach adults because I want people to know what so few people know and so few people are talking about in the area of media and entertainment. And that's what this six-part seminar is all about. But before I go further on that, I should mention that the beltoftruthministries.com website features other items as well as we take this on. My goal, actually, is to stop preaching the Media on the Brain seminar eventually because everybody has the information they need. And we can begin sharing other things like the Raising the remnant seminar George Barna also has some very interesting research that he has done in the area of parenting. What are the successful parents doing different than everybody else? So this topic of media and entertainment really is just a uh, ramp on up to the question of how then can we raise our children differently than the norm in America today? Kids age two to five are now spending 32 hours a week on average in front of the television. These are toddlers, preschoolers, the smallest of children, 32 hours Ages 8 to 18 are spending five hours a day, just under five hours a day, on TV and movies. And in addition to that, two and a half hours listening to the popular music styles of the day. According to some studies, actually, it's up to six hours if you account for multitasking, listening to music while doing other things. And the average young person racks up 10,000 hours of video gaming by the age of 21. Now that's a lot, but if you isolate out the 5 million gamers in the United States who are playing the most video games, we're looking at actually 40 hours a week of video gaming that 5 million Americans are engaged in. These are serious statistics. If you add spectator sports to all of this, we're looking at the average college-age boy viewing eight hours a week of televised sports. And half of them are watching sports, which is just a guess. When I was in college, we didn't all watch sports. So let's just say half of them are watching sports. That would be 16 hours a week for the average spectator sports-watching college student. These are some serious statistics for America, but many Christians want to know, how about our church? How about Christian young people? What are the statistics like there? Well, I couldn't find any formal studies in that area, so I conducted one. I happened to be a teacher at a Christian school, and I asked the students, anonymously report how much... TV, movies, and video gaming you engaged in over spring break on a typical day. And we look, we're looking at actually four hours a day of just those. TV, movies, and gaming alone. So that doesn't account for Facebook time, pornography use, meaningless internet surfing, worldly music, just TV, movies, and gaming. It was four hours a week. Then I asked them about their spiritual pursuits. Bible study, prayer, ten minutes a day. That's a 25 to 1 ratio of worldly food to spiritual food. And that got me thinking about food. I did a little digging on the American diet. What kind of diet are we consuming? Actually, we're consuming that exact same ratio of calories in our food diet. 25 unhealthy calories to every one healthy calorie that Americans are consuming today. It's an interesting coincidence. It's 25 to 1 also. But it's very instructive to us. We know how this diet is affecting us physically. We know it's causing cancer, heart disease, diabetes. We're dying from this diet. But do we know yet? This is my question. Do we know how this diet of media is affecting us spiritually? I believe it's killing us spiritually, just as this food diet is killing us physically. And that's why the Media on the Brain seminar is such an important piece of the puzzle, in my view. We're going to be going through six sessions The first one is called Conformed or Transformed, TV, the Brain, and the Science of Salvation. That one we will begin momentarily. Then we'll go into session two, By Beholding We Become Slaves to the High Priests of a New Religious Order. Part three is The Spirit of the Music Industry, How One Man Transformed American Culture. So by the end of part two and part three, you will see the spiritual agenda in the entertainment industry. You will see how just saturated with satanic principles the music industry and Hollywood and the advertising industry are today. We'll go on to disc four and have a second part on music. Music was such an important part in my life. I've got two sessions on it. It's called Musical Manipulation. How Satan will use music to deceive the last day masses. In fact, this one isn't so much about what's happening in the music industry, but we're actually going to look at music itself. What kind of effect does music have upon mind and character and physiology? Part five is called the counterfeit reality. This is a very important one for many people in America who are absolutely captured and addicted by the two most potent and fierce addictions in media, and that's gaming and pornography. We'll round out the seminar with part six, the pleasure trap, why we're bored by the Bible and have no time to read it. That's one of my favorite ones to present. We'll look at some very important spiritual principles on how to escape media addiction. So let's begin with part one. That was a rather long introduction, but we have to now dig in and ask ourselves, are we being conformed or transformed? And that's our Bible text, Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind, we're going to look a little bit into salvation in this session. We need to demystify how we view salvation. We're going to look at the spiritual organ of our body, the brain. Understanding how my mind actually plays into this issue of salvation. More on that in a minute, but I want to begin with the American Academy of Pediatrics. They came out with a recommendation that most parents do not know about. They actually suggested that children under two watch zero hours of television. No television for children under two. The American Academy of Pediatrics has suggested. And this is a very mild recommendation, actually. There are many psychiatrists and psychologists that are saying up to age six, seven, eight, no TV. And and they're talking about of a theatrical style nature. We're going to talk about that more in a a minute. But France, the government of France, has gone even further than the, the American Academy of Pediatrics. The government of France banned made it illegal. They banned television aimed at children under 3. It's illegal on the public airwaves in France to broadcast television that is aimed at children under the age of 3. Now, why would France take a strong stand like this to make it illegal? Why would the American Academy of Pediatrics suggest zero television for the little ones?
2: To financially support this broadcast, visit 11thhourdispatch.com or write to us at 11333 Bacchus Road, Lakeview, Michigan, 48850. Martin Lidstrom, Neuromarketing Executive at Apple, recently revealed that iPhone users have a, quote, relationship... With their iPhones Yes, you heard that right A relationship He explained that their brain studies that they did Revealed that the love circuits of the brain Actually fire when iPhone users are engaged With their beloved device In his words People are literally in love with their iPhones You and your device Are the two becoming one flesh At every church I speak at Folks say the same thing Scott, why didn't anybody tell us this before? So, folks, grab a pencil and write this down Media on the Brain. It's a 6 DVD series that will arm you with the vital information on the undeniable effects of entertainment media and how to break free. Visit 11thhourdispatch.com, use promo code RADIO for a reduced suggested donation rate. The 3 biggest events in the history of redemption. 1, the Exodus experience, 2, the first coming of Christ, and 3, the soon second coming of Christ. Well, what do all three of these have in common? Pharaoh, throw all the baby boys in the Nile. Herod, kill the babies in and around Bethlehem. Well, what about today as we anticipate the second coming? The attack is on once again, not only through the annihilation of 50 million aborted babies, but the media and the schools are targeting our kids. Any parents with children in the home need to know this. Write down the DVD title and share it with them right away. It's called, How to Raise the Remnant. Now more than ever, parents are in desperate need of solid biblical counsel to guide us back to God's plan for raising godly children in these last days. Visit 11thHourDispatch.com and use promo code RADIO for a reduced suggested donation rate. Wonderful, merciful Savior, precious Redeemer and friend. Who would have thought that... of man. Oh, you rescue the souls of men. Let's study the
1: brain for just a brief minute. Many of you probably are familiar with the frontal lobe of the brain. Let's go over just a review of what happens in this very, very important area of the brain. The frontal lobe is where you engage in your spirituality, your morality, the will. This is, according to secular psychologists, this is what happens in the frontal lobe. We would say that's the most important things in our lives. In addition to that, the frontal lobe is where you engage in reason, where your conscience is housed. Also, the frontal lobe is where the, the seat of judgment and decision-making is. So when you, when you exercise sound judgment after you reason something out, and you, may, you have the self-control, the will, the decision-making... All frontal lobe activities. Prayer and worship take place there in the frontal lobe. Discerning spiritual truth as well. And then last of all, empathy. That means having compassion for other people. And altruism. That means doing good for others even if it doesn't benefit me. And this is all from secular people. They would say all of these matters take place in the frontal lobe. And as a Christian, I firmly agree. These are the most important areas of the brain. You know the Bible actually talked about the frontal lobe. It didn't say frontal lobe, of course, but in Isaiah 118, it says, Come, let us reason together. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control and love your neighbor as yourself. There's that altruism piece. So you see the frontal lobe being a biblical, very important area to have strong in our lives. But there's another area of the brain that is not as often talked about as the frontal lobe, and it's called the limbic system. And the human limbic system is far smaller than the animal limbic systems. This is, by the way, a very, very helpful thing as I think, are we any different than the animals? Did we just evolve from monkeys? Absolutely not. If you look at all the animals and their brains, there is a giant leap from the most intelligent animal to the next, to the next most intelligent being, and that is the human. Little increments from each animal to each animal to each animal. And then when you get to the human being, a huge leap of intelligence in the cerebral cortex, which is the white part of the brain on the screen. Well, let's talk about this limbic system, because we do have this more animalistic nature within us. It's part of our fallen nature. Scientists call the limbic system the lizard brain. Now, I don't believe we evolved from lizards, but I do believe that this is the area of the brain, science has shown, that it's the area of the brain where our more base passions are seated, like the fight-or-flight mechanism. So, fear or running away and fear or fighting, aggression, These these things come out of the limbic system. The appetite for food or for sex, that's also housed there in the limbic system. Basically, if you have a limbic system that's very strong and in control, you're going to have a lot of fear, stress, lust, impulses, worry, anxiety, anger, irritability, negativity, and aggression. Now, I don't know a lot of people that want to have all of that in control in their lives. We want that other stuff from the frontal lobe. We want to love others, have compassion, have self-control, reason properly, have sound judgment. All of those things from the frontal lobe we want stronger. And these emotions and these feelings we want to be tamed. Now, I should mention before going on that the limbic system is not it's not of the devil. God created us with that br- area of the brain. And so I'm trying to think, how would that have functioned in, say, the Garden of Eden before the fall? And I think about, let's say there's the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and Eve thinks, you know, one day, hey, maybe I'll walk over there. And she starts walking toward the tree that God told her not to eat from. And then there is this limbic impulse, Fear. And it's a healthy, holy fear. Because she's supposed to go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. A little alarm bell goes off in her brain. A little bit of a red flag. That limbic impulse of fear then she can elevate to the higher powers of the reason and go, hmm, I wonder if that's a good thing for me to go to that tree or not. Then she can exercise self-control with the frontal lobe and walk away from the tree. So the limbic system plays a role. I don't want to say that the limbic system is all evil, but we don't want these things in control, right? We don't want those things to govern our lives. We want them completely tamed. Now, what does this have to do with media, you might be wondering? First of all, the limbic system is mentioned in the Bible, too. Philippians 3.19 says their God is their stomach. That's that appetite, that desire for fleshly things. Romans 8.6-7 says to be carnally minded is death. That carnal mind is, is rooted there in the limbic system impulses. What does that have to do with TV? Imagine you have a switch on the front of your brain, your frontal lobe. You turn on your TV. Within just minutes of you viewing... Entertainment, theatrical-style television. That's a very important set of modifiers there. Entertainment, theatrical-style television. Within just minutes of you watching that, your frontal lobe is completely off. That's a very serious thought, given what we just learned about the frontal lobe. The frontal lobe almost completely shuts down within minutes of the viewing of entertainment television. But at the same time, imagine you have a switch in your limbic system. That one turns on. Because theatrical style television is designed to produce a limbic impulse of some kind. So maybe that impulse is, maybe it's a a film that makes you angry or or a show that makes you fearful or a TV TV program that that makes you feel aggressive or, or lustful or sad or some sort of emotional impulse. Maybe it's just ridiculous amusement where you've been told you're not supposed to think about it. Have you ever heard people say that about watching TV? You go, well, this doesn't actually make any sense, or why is that funny? Ah, you're not supposed to think about it. So you're supposed to be led by the filmmaker into this limbic experience, this experience of anger, fear, aggression, lust, sadness, amusement, you name it. Think of the different genres of movies. Well, let's think about then, what are the long-term effects going to be of this entertainment? If you are taking a look at Galatians 6:8 you, you know we have known this for centuries it's going to start to destroy you spiritually if you're sowing to the sinful nature but the one who sows to the spirit will reap from the spirit eternal life imagine that every time you turn on your television you are exercising your limbic system and you are leaving your frontal lobe off that is what's happening imagine it's like exercising What happens to an arm that is exercised over and over again for hours a day, every day? What happens to an arm that is left in a sling for hours a day, doing nothing? What's going to happen? We're going to have a stronger limbic system and a weaker frontal lobe. This is what the science has uncovered in recent years. Hence, France and and the American Academy of Pediatrics and other psychiatrists saying, we've got to take this thing very, very seriously. The effect that this is going to have on the developing brain. Centerwall did a study back in the 1970s and 80s and 90s. They took a look at television and and its entrance into a society. Now, I don't know if anybody here was around in the 1950s. I sure wasn't. But that was when television first came in. I mentioned my grandfather being one of the salesmen bringing televisions to American homes. Well, Centerwall took a look at the timing of the introduction of television into American society and compared that with murder rates in both the United States and Canada. He took both societies because the societies are very different, right? They have different gun control laws, different socioeconomic factors, different demographic factors. And what he found was... Immediately after the introduction of television into American society, the murder rate doubled. And Canadian society, the murder rate doubled. Now that puzzled these researchers. They were trying to think about what could be the uniting common factors that might cause this doubling in the murder rate, both within 15 years of when the television was introduced into society. Well, they made a prediction. They said, if this trend holds true, South Africa will also experience a doubling in the murder rate after television is introduced into their society. They got television much later, South Africa, 1975. And they predicted, we're going to see a doubling in the murder rate immediately after the entrance of television into South African society. Now, by the way, before I continue, I should ask, what kind of television were we watching in America in the 1950s? Was it Terminator and super violent stuff? It was was shows like Leave It to Beaver and Lassie. I, I grew up watching some of that on the reruns. Very innocuous, not violent, not morally harmful stuff. But we were watching it, and it had took its toll on... Society. Well, let's take a look at what happened in South Africa. Murder rates were steady in South Africa while they were doubling in America and Canada. What happens in South Africa is exactly the same thing happened. They predicted it. The murder rate doubled in South Africa immediately after the introduction of television. Now, what in the world? How can we make sense of this? How does Leave it to Beaver and Lassie cause a murder rate to double? It it sounds almost silly and ridiculous. Well, if you think about the brain, you think about the frontal lobe being the area of self-control... The limbic system being the area of impulsive behavior and aggression and all these other things. Think about it as a spectrum. On one end of the spectrum, you have self-control. And on other end of the, spe- the other end of the spectrum, you have impulsive behavior. Now, everybody is born and raised in their world with nature and nurture, landing at a certain spot in their life as a young person. And they, maybe they had a tough childhood and bad genetics, or maybe they had a really loving parents, a really nurturing environment, and they were a person of very, very much self-control. Well, what television did, no matter where you were on the spectrum, it moved you over one notch. Because remember, the frontal lobe is damaged, the limbic system is enhanced, and so we go from self-control to impulsive behavior. It doesn't make everybody in society a murderer. Let's say you're driving down the road, and somebody cuts you off, and otherwise you would have had a lot of self-control. You would have breathed deeply and prayed for them. Well, you've gone one notch over now with the retraining of your brain with television, and you grip the steering wheel, you kind of grit your teeth and glare at them. Now, if you would have done that, you moved one notch over to here, and you play on the horn. If you would have been somebody who laid on the horn, television has retrained your brain, your upbringing, you move one notch over, and you step on the gas, and you're doing some kind of dangerous activity, riding right up on his bumper. If you would have done that, you're screaming at the top of your lungs every word under the sun and gestures with your hands and everything, and you're just flipping out. Now, the person who would have done that, trained with television the way that we have in the past half century, plus, he moves over one notch, and he's the one that pulls out the gun and shoots the guy. So don't don't think that television makes everybody go out and murder somebody, but it puts people who are on the edge over the edge. You follow? Science is very much confirming everything that we knew from the Bible. And in fact, these two books on television, The Plug-In Drug and Remotely Controlled, have done a good job collating and collecting all of the many, many different studies. There have been thousands of studies, actually, that have been done on the effects of television. Interesting that we don't hear about them on television. But nonetheless, I want to go through just a few of them. What has has the science uncovered about the effects of television? First of all, TV viewing is a major cause of depression. TV viewing decreases academic achievement. It inhibits speech development. It decreases reading comprehension. It increases the likelihood of children developing ADHD, and Christakis has just confirmed that one. And there are many studies backing up all of these things. Continuing on, TV viewing decreases creativity and imagination. Now, this is an especially interesting one to me because we had a well-meaning, beloved friend of ours say, you know, Cammie and Scott, you guys really need to think about letting little Levi watch some television. You know, little kid stuff, because then he can develop an imagination and be more creative. And I'm going, no, actually the studies say the opposite, because you're in this passive mode. It trains the mind to not be creative and imaginative. Quite the opposite. TV viewing decreases the ability to succeed, causes vision problems, makes you less likely to exercise, causes emotional problems, including in some cases PTSD, and thinking about that in terms of the limbic system. That's where the emotions are very much coming out of, those emotional impulses. In the 1980s, this is a very interesting one. Households that acquired cable TV, counties that got the cable first in the 1980s, saw spikes in in autism. Now, there's a lot of debate about what causes autism. TV apparently may be a contributing factor in a risk, uh, higher risk of autism. TV makes you eat more, gives you, makes you crave sugary foods, causes obesity, increases children's chances of becoming alcoholics later in life.